Uh, g'day listeners, welcome to Bar Karate, the sailing podcast. My name's Jordan Spencer, it's that time of the week where we get to hang out with some really cool sailors and of course I have to share the mic duties with my two idiot mates. So first up, welcome Mr Brett Perry. Greetings, exalted one. Hey Pete. Be- busy, busy. <laughs> Good, we're all busy. So That's much crazy. on, I mean I'm having trouble keeping up, there's just so much sailing going on, I think we're going to have to make the shows longer. <laughs> Why no. don't we just record permanently the whole time and never stop? <laughs> yeah. But it's cool, isn't it? It's yeah, all it's back cool. in, um, including uh, here in where, I'm, in where I am in Sydney. So the regattas are all starting up. So uh, winter series, winter racing, so it's all happening. Cool. Well, let's bring in the other bloke. He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. Mr Nick Boss. Gents. Pretty excited about today's episode, as a yeah. matter of fact. <laughs> and uh, b- before we reveal the guests, though, I'm going to have to put in, a, in a, an apology for next week. Um, mm-hmm. We're heading off on our first four-wheel drive tour hosted by the founders of Defenders Oz oh. as part of a fundraising effort for um, the Variety Club for the Bash. Oh, well, that's good. That we're going to be doing. Um, and I cannot confirm nor deny the state of which I'll be in from Thursday through till Monday next week. Is so Snowdy going? In, oh, yeah, Snowdy. <laughs> well, I can, I can confirm Alan, the state. <laughs> Mido. <laughs> I, I can confirm the state. So, no, no, all good. I'll be, uh, <laughs> it'll be just fine. But, uh, no, quite excited, actually. It's uh, quite satisfying, this um, raising money stuff. Um, mm. And it's uh, all for a good cause. So um, I'll be putting on Bark Radio Raisley page. So if everyone just um, delivers some money, that'll be fine. Yeah. Oh. And it's for the kids. <laughs> it's all for the kids. All there for the go. kids. Cool. Yeah. And winning, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not necessarily in that order. <laughs> um, boys, before we kick in with the guest, uh, I just wanted to point out it's been a devastating week for me uh, oh, here on the that? Sunshine Coast. Uh, property prices have skyrocketed over the last few months up here. We're all like got super rich because, you know, the value of our houses has skyrocketed, but they've got the Australian Future uh, Stars team, laser team up here training at the moment. So the Sunshine Coast is full of laser sailors and so property prices mm. have plummeted. Mate, property prices have <laughs> diminished. <laughs> those little mongrels running around everywhere. making every- All those fit little bastards <laughs> everywhere, making everyone look bad. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, can't a bit of late with us, but uh, you got to love Have them. you got down there, giving them a few tips, Jordan? Uh, no. I'd no, no. hike, hike out a bit harder. Yeah, hike harder, yeah. <laughs> do it how I used to do it, just get a bigger head. That works. Uh, I just uh, White jacket talk- required, negative. <laughs> I was talking to Maya last night and she's going, oh, it seems a bit stupid spending $10,000 on a boat. And I said, yeah, you get the same effect buying one hammer for 10 bucks and hitting yourself in the head, you know. <laughs> so, anyway. Yeah. No, enough laser beating. That's not been the last. Fantastic boats, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's fan- exactly. It- yeah. Good on them. Um, but easy to have fun against. Uh, right, let's bring in uh, – we've got a lot of – geez, I'm worried about this episode, boys. I'm really worried about this episode. I think I think you should be. Yeah, it could um, go. And that's I'm not, not from us. I, I would be worried if we were recording at 8 o'clock last Saturday night. <laughs> um, but but we're not. We're doing it quite early. So, uh, Strate- no, it's going to be 100% serious. Uh Twenty, yeah, twenty three percent of the time. All right. Well, let's, let's bring in the guest because he's sitting there antsy to get some conversation in and throw his bit into this. So, uh, basic intro: uh, Sailing the America's Cup, 
four round the world races on uh, various boats in the Volvo Ocean Race and is now the executive director of the Ocean Race, mind you. Welcome to the show, Mr. Richard Mason. Maso? Yeah, g'day, boys. Good to be uh, good to be there. I'll tell you what, mate, sounds like you're getting ripped off with your hammers if you're paying 10 bucks for them. They're five bucks. And if Bice is going bush in the Land Rover, you better send it down to him because he'll need it. Exactly. <laughs> I was waiting for the dig. They're more than a hammer. I actually yeah, I rang the mechanic to order a pack of spares. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was, yeah. He, he's bringing his own car. <laughs> I was going to say, how much is going to be left of the fundraising once they fix the cars? <laughs> Oh, dear. Hey, good on them. Good Talk on about them. stupid. All right, yeah. mate, so the first question to you straight up. I'm going to name four countries and I just need your reaction. So I, I'm, you, you're a confusing man for a young fella like myself. If I said Australia, New Zealand, Sweden and Spain, what, what do they all mean to you? Like, which one's home, basically? Who do you work for, the tax department? <laughs> <laughs> well, funny you should ask that. <laughs> well, my, my answer would be negative to all of it. Who are you talking about? Yeah. yeah. Uh, ever heard of a place called Guernsey? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, uh, you got, I, know, I know you guys don't speak enough Swedish to understand it, so um, so I'm all clear. Oh, uh, yeah, that, that would be where I float around from from time to time. It's bizarre. Just to keep, just to keep things live. Lively, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it's pretty got, impressive. It's called the best of all the worlds, Geordie, you know. That's Born what it Australia, is. Raised in New Zealand. I'm back in Australia now. You know, I just pull. It's like when the cricket's on or the rugby. I can change shirts at half time. You're guaranteed to win. Yeah. <laughs> Not the rugby. You've had one on for a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that'll get a bite. There it goes. <laughs> well, we'll bring that up till the end. So, oh, no. well, go into it. As you get into sailing, mate. Me? Mm. Oh, geez. Um, well, I grew up on the west coast of New Zealand, you know, just surrounded by the sea. And um, actually, it's good. It's quite a good story because um, it was my mum's first boyfriend was the chef on Ceramco. Huh. And, uh, yeah, so she was um, out on the west coast. There's not too much yachting going on in New Zealand. It's all surf clubs. And, and back in those days, you know, they used to row the old boats in the surf and um, Vonnie, Paul Von Solinsky. So, um, and he was a chef on Ceramco and invited me down to go and have a look at the boat when I was about, I don't know, I think it was about six or something. And, um, yeah, that was it. It was just hooked. Peter Blake lifted me up on board and I went and looked around this thing and that stuck in my mind ever since. So uh, I was destined to uh, become an ocean warrior. Hey, uh, Mace, i just putting a bit of a timeline on that. Your mum's boyfriend, <laughs> whilst you were... <laughs> It was six years old. Yeah. yeah. Or ex. <laughs> yeah, no, fortunately, she, was... she had the smart darts to marry someone else. So, uh... <laughs> Mavoni's still around. He's a legend, actually. Uh, he sailed on uh, he sailed on Lion New Zealand and um, was involved in Steinlager. And um, so he was actually, uh, sort of knew my grandfather pretty well. But um, no, mm. he's, he's sort of one of those people that you, you run into at an early age and leaves an impression. And uh, before you know it, you're buying books and trying to make model boats to sail on the cattle trough and uh, and next thing you know, you're, you're sailing around the world on one. So, yeah. Was it was it dinghies? Did you get into dinghies to start with or was it just uh, whatever you could get your hands on? Yeah, well, I was dinghy sailing. I don't know, West Coast, is, she's pretty brutal out there. So, um, yeah, I had a I had a little P-class called Stormy, had a wooden mast, took that down the beach. All the other kids had the uh, the fancy ones with the aluminium mast, so I only ever did really well when it was blown like shit. And... Um, <laughs> 
And then I did a bit of sailing in the far 3.7, which is a, a pretty tricky, tricky boat to sail. And then um, I was fortunate enough to get a get a spot way back in the day in the um, Royal New Zealand Yacht Squadron Youth Program. We were selling the, sailing the old Elliot 5.9s. So I did a couple of years in that and, you know, was uh, racing amongst the greats. And, and who, um, who, who was part of that program at the time? Well, it was being run by Harold Bennett. Um, and uh, he ended up being sort of race director for the America's Cup. He yep. founded the whole thing. It was sort of his, his brainchild and he brought it up. And I mean, geez, there's not too many. I mean, everyone that's been, that program fed off to the Royal Prince Alfred and Royal Sydney. Everyone was running yep. those similar sort of boats. And Jimmy Spittle came through those programs. You know, Stu Bannantyne. There's a lot of people at the top of, uh, top of the sport. I think Mike Sanderson spent a lot of time in their 5.9. I think he's still sailing them. You know, <laughs> sail. If you, you could sail them, you're doing well. Then anyway, we had Ray Davies and you know, Hamish Pepper, all these sort of guys all came through there. And then we had this MRX fleet there, which um, we used to go, and the Etchells, which we used to go sort of you know, racing on the weekends on, on Saturdays and Sundays. We'd go and fire off some sprint racing in front of the Yacht Squadron. I mean, and there was just everyone was out there, Russell, Chris Dixon. Mm. So, you know, from a young age, I was getting yelled at by those guys and um, it was a pretty <laughs> good breeding ground. And then off you go. Yeah. So, and was that where kind of the big boat stuff came from? Yeah. And yeah, just, was just knocking you know, about with those blokes? Oh, very much so. You know, you go through the youth scheme and then, um, you know, that was a good place to find crew for the MRXs if you didn't have enough on a weekend and phone up Harold and they gives you a phone number and the next thing you know, you're sort of, you know, tailing or trimming up wind for Chris Dixon getting yelled at and, uh, and um, yeah. you know, then you go. It's, a, win- with- it's a winch, not a cleat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ease it, ease it, you know. And uh, so you learn, you, you either swim or sink pretty quickly out there, but it was amazing. We had Rod Davis and all these guys, you know, uh, jostling around and um, a pretty strong etchel fleet. And then I spent a lot of time with actually Richard Bizade, um, who's one of the directors of Doyle Sales there. And he sort of took me under my wing and I was doing a, a young 88 regatta down in Wellington with uh, the mighty Ross Field. And the, the next thing I knew, I found myself up sailing those Grand Mistrales in Europe. Mm-hmm. And um, then we we're off, you know, one thing rolls into another. And 20 years later, still doing it. Well, now I'm flying a desk, which isn't nearly as much fun. But And that, so the Grand Mistrales, late 90s? Yeah, 97. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, round Europe race, the original, the first round Europe race where we all got paid in these thing called Euros and we're all complaining because we want to get paid in US dollars. We're like, we don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're lucky we got paid at all, actually. But we uh, we had so much fun. It was fantastic. It was a pretty cool, pretty cool event because uh, that was where the, the most of the Whipria boats back then were using that for their sort of shakedown regatta. And then you had all the um, Orma 60s, so the trimarans, and then there was open 50s, open 60s, and then this uh, this fleet of 80-foot uh, maxi Wonderzine boats. So I remember stepping on the deck of Wonders going, wow, this is massive, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit bigger than a young 88. That's what, they asked <laughs> me to service the winches, and I was, I, was, I was just terrified, you know? You'd look into the thing, it's like, oh, my God, you know? Just make sure there's no spare parts left afterwards. <laughs> 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 but but being the man, being the spares, there's lots now. <laughs> <laughs> but being the man you were, you just jumped in there, right? Just took it on. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Awesome. Yeah. So, so um, were you always wanting to go offshore, mate, or was it just you just followed the path as it was laid out in front of you? 
No, I think you know we were pretty pretty fortunate in the timing of our careers back then. There was a lot of sailing going on. You know, as we came through, there was uh, you know a pretty healthy Whipbread race that became the Volvo race and uh, America's Cup team. You know, America's Cups going on that. I think on average, most of the teams sort of had you know between 30, 35 sailors in them. So we were running the you know the two the two AC boats with I mean, like eighteen crew on those things. It was orchestrated chaos. <laughs> and um, and then you know, a lot of other one design class sailing going on. And then of course all the you know sort of maxi circuits um, you know, and Sardinia and what have you. Sort of uh, so so there was quite a lot of choice. Um, and a lot of us were sort of doing the we'd we'd do the whip read around the, you know the Volvo and then go and do a cup cycle and then go back into the Volvo just bouncing from one to the next. But I I always uh, you know you sort of looked at it and and we do the you know sort of I'd say the pro sailing which was sailing with the owners and doing like the maxi worlds and. And there was there was obviously a lot about getting those boats around the track, but there's a, a you know a big element there of sort of keeping the owners happy, and it was the whole package, you know. And um, the America's Cup, where you go out and race in ideal conditions for two and a half hours, and then you spend four and a half hours putting the boats in and out of the water and talking about what an amazing job you'd done easing the jib that afternoon, you know. <laughs> and you wanted to do a five millimetre luff cut, and the sailmakers were so pissed off with you that they actually take the thread out of the sewing machine and just run it down the sewing machine down the luff with no thread so it looked like they did a recut. Oh, yeah. And then someone know. would go out there and go, oh, nice, oh, that looks beautiful. And the sailmakers would just go, I didn't change a thing, you prick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Love yeah. it. Yeah, uh, but the, the, the and then you get the ocean race, and it's just the ultimate challenge. You know, that was the real sailing. You know, I mean, it was brutal. It was <laughs> every time you do it, you go, "I'm never doing that again." Yeah. No way. But but it, it was just the challenge of going around the world, and it's totally different uh, atmosphere on those boats and sense of achievement as you as you go around. You know, it's it's a totally different team environment, and I, I just loved it. So in the end. Uh, Probably not the smartest move in the world financially, but I, was, I stuck to the ocean racing and I don't, I don't regret it for one bit, you know. So, was, so um, and, and that all kicked off, um, well, the Volvo with Asa? Uh, Bicey, yeah. Bicey, come on. You're locked in your first go with Asa? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Oh, good. Oh, I like it's it. gone downhill already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you normally say to there, right, Bicey? You say, keep the dad jokes to me. Yeah, yeah, I've been coaxing all week, that shit house. Really? Kids yeah, wouldn't even minutes, get that one. Ten minutes done. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Arthur Abloy was the first gay round with the mighty Magnus Olsen. Uh, yes. That was an eye opener, that's for sure. Yeah. Good bunch of boys. And um, so how did it morph from the Maxis into the ASA program? Is it via Magnus or...? Yeah, I was actually working for Doyle Sales at the time. So um, I was working up in Marblehead with Robbie Doyle and Rich Bazaid, and uh, we got approached to put the sale program together for the boat, and we, we put in a bid, and it ended up going with Norse and uh, Andrew Lecht, actually, another great Australian. Mm-hmm. He, was the, uh, he was the head designer. Um, but as a part of that process, uh, Magnus invited me to come and you know, trial. So I went and met the old... Uh, Chessy Racing at that point was um, in Hong Kong and uh, we'd brought that boat and um, a bunch of us uh, hopped on board there and brought it down via a typhoon to uh, to Sydney. To Sydney, and, um, exactly. And, and off we went. That was the beginning of it. And uh, I don't know, someone was silly enough to let me on board and stick around long enough to get around the world and um, that was the end of that. Just uh, been, been doing it ever since. <laughs> what do you reckon you bring, like what's your, your biggest Contribution, you reckon, on a boat? Me? Yeah. 
What's your What's your main skill? You reckon human forklift? <laughs> human forklift. <laughs> <laughs> Packing and stacking. Yeah. You know? Racket and stack it. There was a lot of that back in those days. Being yeah, sure. uh, being being young and willing to do any job on the boat back then, it was uh, yeah. It was <laughs> every time you move the boat, you have to move two and a half tons of gear. So I was I was pretty good at doing that. Um, yeah. Uh, no, I, I don't know, mate. It just um, you know maybe. You just oh. go in the middle of ties it together, and uh, you know. I, I might be able to answer this on Meso's behalf. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's basically just keeping the vibe of the show rolling. That's what yeah. I reckon. In the sense of that's what I was asking. Despite if it's moving two and a half ton, or it's making the boat go fast, and just keeping the boys on their toes, or having a bit of a laugh every now and then, keeping it real. Keeping I it reckon real. that that would be the attribute. And having worked obviously with Meso in the past, or sailed on a few different boats, that's uh, extremely important. Mm. Yeah. I think you could sum it up as. Keeping it, keeping it afloat at the right time, and I mean that quite literally on the odd occasion. Yeah, I, I remember <laughs> that phone call. <laughs> She's a bit more than a tube of sicker, mate. Yeah, I was <laughs> say, yeah that's not going to buff out. <laughs> oh, dear. In a couple of days, so, the old armpits and freezing cold water going, shit, I wonder if we're going to see the sun come up. So what, what, what's the worst uh, one that happened to you? Oh, bloody hell. What the worst one? Ooh, shit. Top three? Well, there's a few of them. Well, yeah, E three was a, an interesting one. You know, that was quite entertaining because um, you know we were, we were in a fair amount of strife there, um, but we were quite close to land, so we had we had plenty of options to get out of trouble quite quickly. Unfortunately, there was a Taiwanese frigate that wasn't too far away that uh, could sort of keep an eye on us while we limped around. But I, I think the best one was um, the mighty Sanya because that thing uh, that that thing fell apart on two occasions. So whether the, with the Ericsson, the E3 thing, the um, the whole bow flooded, and we had a you know big delamination in one of the powers uh, panels up in the bow. Then it was sort of progressing and getting worse and worse. And yeah, we had the sinking feeling. We rescued that one and um, managed to turn that one around and turn it into a victory, which was um, which was interesting. But the the mighty Sanya, it was the first night out of the first leg in the Mediterranean. We um, we managed to blow a much bigger hole in the bow of the boat. And it was quite funny. I, it was, you know, three, four o'clock in the morning. It was a pretty rough first night. Most of the boys were struggling a bit. And I was uh, standing there driving, you know, you're a bit bleary-eyed. You hadn't had much sleep. And um, I was going, geez, the bow's not coming out of the water like it should be. And, you know, bleary-eyed. I mean, like the pulpit was just permanently underwater. So I was getting the hint. And I was just, I was there with old uh, Cam Marshall and, um <laughs> I was like, hey, Cam, would you mind just jumping on the wheel for a sec? And I was like, fuck, this can't be happening again. <laughs> and, uh, I went downstairs and water everywhere, the whole front of the boat's flooded, and I was just like, God damn it, you know. <laughs> and I was mostly just pissed off, and I went and kicked Axel out of his bunk, and I was like, Axel, yeah, better phone the Coast Guard because it's happening again. <laughs> <laughs> and albeit on the first you know, night as well, the first night. <laughs> yeah, you no, know, first night. And you know you're in trouble when you, you know, on the on the boats they have these sort of through-hull fittings. With, you know, I say through bulkhead fittings, yes, they're all the boats all shut up. But, you know, where you, the conduits where you put all the wires yep. and hydraulic lines through, they're yep. at the top of the bulkhead. <laughs> Puts them with and water. Water, water coming through <laughs> that, you're just going, oh, oh. This isn't great. No. And, um, yeah, so we did the usual and fired all the pumps up and uh, and had, uh, you know, sort of taken all the intakes off the engines to 
to uh, your block because if you take the intakes off, you can suck water out of the boat with those too. You've got to get the generator started up before she floods so you can keep everything else going. And in amongst this total shit fight, um, our bowman had broken his ankle during the night as well. Um, <laughs> the, we had this Chinese crew member, Tiger, a great bloke, he's fantastic, but his English wasn't brilliant. And, um, you know, it was a bit of a fury on downstairs and we're trying to work out what our options are and sort of thinking, well, I was of the opinion that we should sink it. You know? <laughs> but, um, <laughs> All the plugs. <laughs> but old Tiger comes through and he's pretty upset that breakfast isn't ready. You know? <laughs> um, he's coming on watch and where's the porridge, you know? And I'm just trying to explain to him, we're pretty busy at the moment. So, you know, for him, he wasn't quite catching on. He hadn't heard the conversation that was... Hadn't seen any water down below at all? Well, that was pretty common in that boat. Um, (laughs) But uh, eventually it's like, why is there no breakfast? And I was just going, oh, geez, how do I explain this? And I was like, "Um, we're sinking. He sort of looks at me with a blank face and I said, you know, get your survival suit on. I passed him a survival suit and I was like, okay, how am I going to do this? Titanic, movie Titanic. Have you seen the Titanic? (laughs) Yes. You're on it. (laughs) (laughs) His eyes went wide open. He shot out on the deck, and that was the last we saw him until we got in. uh, (laughs) You you want some breakfast? Open up the bow, mate. There's a couple of fish swimming around up there. (laughs) It was pretty bad. I remember Vice and I opened up the actual uh, water type. Yes, we went into Mercia. You know, fortunately in the Mediterranean, not too far away from anywhere. And, um, we opened the front hatch and had a look in there and there was fish swimming around in the bow. You could see, you know, there was a hole. Yeah. That you could see. It's daylight, daylight. Wow. And I'm, I'm thinking, shit, you know, that's going to be one to fix. And by that afternoon, Bice is like, yeah, she'll be right, but we'll have her back in the race in Cape Town. I'm like, yeah, right, get on your bicey, off you go. <laughs> <laughs> she'll be right. Those were the days. Those were the yeah. days. Well, that wasn't the first one on that boat. The worst one was actually when we blew the rudder out in the Southern Ocean in the, um, in the leg from Auckland to Itajai. Uh, we were actually in the lead, um, but the, uh, the entire rudder decided to exit the boat while we are doing about 30 knots in, in, a, in a prefrontal system. And, uh, yeah, yeah, we were lucky, to, uh, we were lucky mm. to get away out of that one. That was a bit close. And then we lifted the boat out in Tauranga and saw the sides of the cracks underneath the aft section of the hull, uh, we had to keep going. We would have gone down and no one would have known about it. So, uh, wow. so ba- basically, the, um, we, as a diagnosis, we think the windward rudder dropped out mm. and basically however it worked its way loose, whether the deck was pumping and knocked the, knocked the, um, the, the actual clamps yeah. off, yeah. the rudder popped out and as the boat rolled back into windward, it snapped the rudder between the two bearings or snap yeah. the shaft. Almost so that like just basically half out, yeah. then roll into a Chinese and that filled up the whole aft section of the boat. I was driving again. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, just to reiterate, so when we lifted the boat out in Tauranga, there was a huge crack through the outer skin of the hull from the prop box all the way back to the aft runner chain plate. Yeah. So oh, if that had opened up more like that, yeah, that's uh, nice. goodbye. So anyway, we got it back in the race. Um, <laughs> again, again. Yeah. yeah, it was like it, it took more and more convincing every time we had to get boat, but we knew by that stage the boat was pretty much rebuilt. <laughs> and, um, yeah. It was actually, I mean, it's not about the boat, but that first night in Mercia and I was saying to the team, look, this is going to be one, despite the tragedy, of not competing the, uh, completing the first leg, 
this is going to be one of the highlights of the race in the sense that um, it'll be in your memory bank. This other, every other stopover, pull the boat out, pull the rudder out, blah, blah, blah. Little did we know. <laughs> new <laughs> new twice. rigging. Uh, oh. No, no, not to mention oh, going no. to bloody Madagascar. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, DT broke on the way to Madagascar. So that's another story. We broke the forest, day. They broke the Actually, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that happened on that boat that we actually, in the end, we didn't actually tell anyone about it We uh, because it was just like, oh, I could, oh, mate, you could write a book about the whole thing. Yeah, it was. Uh, we, could, we could do that. But strangely right. enough, that was one of the best teams I ever worked in because we just never gave up. You know, like uh, even though it was as tough as hell, you know, there was never any negativity about it, and we just we came back fighting every time. And that was a real tribute to uh, Nick and and Duffy and and Mike Sanderson that you know were sort of leading the team. We didn't tolerate any negativity whatsoever. You know, it was uh, we always lived to fight another day. So, um, yeah, actually, when I look back, it was probably one of my best races ever. Wow. Wow, that's quite the story. Isn't we, it? We, have, we have a T-shirt of the legs that we did, and then the legs and that then the, did the for burst us. did for us. <laughs> we, we gave it to the version. I'm so happy Got with the T-shirt. They sponsored the race in the next edition. Yeah, <laughs> that's good marketing. That's great yeah, marketing. Yeah. Well, you, you couldn't. Well, it took it. hours of strategy to get that one right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just good. Good luck. You better be lucky than good. That yeah, was quite the race, I think. Yeah. Did you? Did you ever? Uh, who was in charge of your shore crew? Uh, one Nicholas Bice. I know that's where I was going. <laughs> I was about to throw the blame <laughs> on you. <laughs> well, look, it's all commercial. Yeah. We got the deal with Merce. Put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hang on. If that shit didn't happen, we wouldn't need the deal with Merce. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, cool. And then, um, then you donned the magenta pants, mate. Oh, blimey! Yeah, the old uh, the old magenta pants. That was a good one. <laughs> Rolling uh, out of Team Sanya into uh, Team SEA. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was, uh, I was doing, again, you know, sort of getting close to being away from home for 300 days a year, sailing professionally. Shouldn't complain about it. It was very busy. It was a uh, you know, great, great period in, uh, in my life there. We were sailing on most of the top programs around the world. And um, I was actually looking to do that race with, um, with Ian Walker. Um, uh, Ian probably doesn't like me telling the story too much, but I'd, I'd actually signed up with it. I'd signed the paperwork, actually. Uh, I was sitting on my desk on a Friday night, so I was, was going to join in for that one. Um, and then Magnus Olsen passed away. Uh, he had a brain hemorrhage, and, and he was sort of one of the coaches with SCA and you know, obviously uh, with Richard Yohan and the Atlanta boys. I'd been working on and off with them for, for many years, and uh, Richard Brees just phoned me uh, when I was at home that weekend and, you know, they needed a hand with someone to sort of come and um, pick up the, the shore side of things and um, and and sort of get rolling again. And I thought, well, it'd be, you know, it was an interesting and entirely different challenge to sort of, you know, Richard and the and the boys had put a program together to sort of re-establish um, an all-female team in the race. I think the last one prior to that was Heineken, actually. But no, EF Language, probably. It was the all, all last, no, no, wrong. It was Anna Sports too. Um, that was the last sort of all female race and a team in the in the race. So, um, and it, by oh, the Volvo Seventies, it sort of knocked all the females out of the sport because it, you know they were just Brilliant. such physical boats. You know, you, 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 you need to look like a rugby player when you you started those things and moving the sails around. So, unfortunately, it just sort of phased them out. 
I think Adrian Callahan did one or two legs in the, the first edition of uh, the seventies. But yeah, so joined the joined the SCA and and loved that. She was one of the best jobs I've ever had in the race. Um, sort of you know shore management, you know, you sort of good technical hand in the boats and um, and a bit of a coaching role and and then a bit of a sort of management over the team. So it was um, it was a nice combination of um, being able to do a bit of sailing and being involved technically in the boats and. Um, and overseeing some management side of things, and there was a great team in there, and it was very enjoyable. Uh, enjoyable year. It was great when the uh, two highlights of that were when the girls won the import race in uh, in Abu Dhabi. I, th- I thought we were yeah. going to have to uh, whisk them out of the country pretty quickly as the all female team yeah. sort of hands it to the blokes, and uh, and obviously the leg went into the L'Oreal was uh, spectacular because that was you know it was a bloody tough leg up there though, you know, banging away and. Uh, not so winning, and the girls pulled the victory out, which was just awesome. So, um, you know, that, that was, uh, you know, I think the legacy of that whole thing has carried on with Abby Ehler and the Magenta Projects. You know, it's sort of, it's, um, it sort of kick-started things again, which was really nice. So it was a good project. Did, did you keep note of some of Brad Jackson's comments along the way and uh, go on and publish <laughs> a book? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm for this, but uh, when, when you do Bar Karate Plus. <laughs> <laughs> Bar Karate Uncut. Yeah, X-rated, you have to be over 18. Um, <laughs> I'll happily divulge some of those comments. They were side-splittingly funny. No, we had some uh, we had some beauties, yeah. So you could was, say the SCA project sort of started your shore side of things. Um, did you miss at all any stage getting being out there in the in the in the long legs? Oh yeah, for sure. I, I found the um, I found the leg starts quite difficult actually. You know when the, yep. when everyone was heading off and they're getting in race mode and um, I was just going, oh, don't think I like this. Now I, now eh? Didn't, now didn't now. like going to the airport afterwards, but um, now, now I've got to go to the thank God they're gone party. God dear. Oh, it's not allowed because they kept coming back. Bicey um, <laughs> <laughs> knows that feeling. You're a couple of cans in and the phone rings. You're like, oh, tell me about it. Yeah. No, no, but, um, no it was, uh, I really, yeah, it, it sort of started that path. But um, yeah, no, there was, there was definitely times there where you sort of, I mean, I miss it now, you know, a lot. You know, the racing, yeah, for sure. But you could say you could say that it sort of started and led to where you are now. Would, oh, for sure. Right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, that's a pretty small industry, and you, um, you know, it's a very small industry, really. And uh, you know, one thing leads to another. And I think at that point, Bicey was running the boatyard there, so you know, we're working on a day-to-day basis, and um, you know, there's sort of a you get sort of like an underlayer of people who you know, you got all the head honchos that are sort of going at one another in the senior management positions, and then there's a layer of people that make shit happen underneath, and uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, just, in the real world, it over the real world, job done, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, oh, um, yeah, just a yacht race, Bicey, isn't it? It's just a yacht, race. well, it is just a yacht race, and it reminds me of one particular incident where myself, <laughs> Canute Frostad, Tom Tauber, and Olivia, who ran the commercial side of the Volvo Ocean Race went up for a face-to-face meeting with the upper management of Team SCA because there are a few discrepancies along the way between the race and and the actual team. And here at Bayside, I was sitting across from each other just kicking each other under the table. This is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Can't you just sort this stuff out in the pub, you blokes? Come on. <laughs> we got there in the end. <laughs> no, we did. We did. Um, which then, yeah, leads you into the obviously uh, working for the race, Meso, um, and uh, seeing the race basically evolve into now what is um, 
Volvo 65s and iMockers going forward. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, you're a huge part of it. We spent five years working together there and delivering the last race. And you, you, I mean, we're working in the race organisation so different to a team because you, you just, you've got so many stakeholders. Uh, it's, you know, it's, um, you've got team owners, team members, crew, um, team partners, host city people, politicians. <laughs> Uh, She's you know, in a seat. She, the race. she ain't uh, no simple walk chart, that one. Oh, hell no. No, no, no absolutely not. So the actual delivery of the race and, and, and the way the race operates is a pretty bloody impressive operation from start to finish in terms of, you know, the, the risk and how that risk is managed and, you know, even just shipping. And you mean you miss one ship and, and there's no race village, you know, and then you've got someone who's invested in the race from a host city standpoint, uh, rather upset that, you know, you haven't got there. So it is, it, it is a, a very impressive uh, environment to work in. It's sort of, I guess, they're a bit the unsung heroes because nobody really ever thanks the uh, the race organisation. I guess it gives you it gives you a really, uh, not coming from where you've come from, a huge perspective of what was going on back in the day to what is going oh, on. Oh, yeah, I mean, for sure. You know, there's plenty of times in the teens we're just going, you know, what are those bastards thinking in the race organiser and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> You know, we didn't have the whole picture, um, yeah, sure. and and certainly when you got in the other end, and I, I first I first looked at like a host venue agreement for doing a stopover, and just went, oh my god, you know, who would actually do that? You know, and you realise <laughs> how clever some of like even our delivery partners, so you go Mayo and Colton, those guys in Auckland, you know, that take on our event and manage to turn it into the success that it is, and and manage to deliver it, at, you know, at a in a profitable way, or say profitable, you know, for, for most of these events that we put on, it's breaking even and, you know, making a couple of hundred euros is, is a good thing, you know. Um, so you, there's some very, very clever people and there's so many people that, that go together to make this race happen. It's not just the crews that are out there and, um, you know, I guess you, you see the sailors and what have you and they're the, they're the ones that get the opportunity to take on this enormous personal challenge and and stand on the boat at the end of the, you know, dock at the end of the day and say, well, I just sailed around the world, but, we got so many layers underneath that. You know, you got people in race control that stand there and say, "Well, we just got all these boats around the world, and I've been following them on a on a rolling shift in Alicante." Uh, you know, there's you've got all the media guys that have pumped out these incredible numbers. You've got our logistics team, and I think I think like our logistics budget is about eight million euros, with a huge amount of risk to get everything around the world. You know, so it's a fair old chunk of change to be managing and. And uh, so when you look at it collectively, like to pull the whole thing off, it's, um, it takes an incredible level of planning and uh, it's not easy. It's, um, it's <laughs> got the better of me. Um, it's, a, it's a pretty stressful environment to work in, but, uh, but it's also, uh, you know, um, great achievement. So, but, but seeing it sort of where it's evolving to now with the 65s ageing a bit and, um, you know, the whole world of offshore sailing completely changing as we, as we go into the, you know, sort of the, the future of foiling and, and how's that going to fit together in Southern Ocean and things like that. It's, um, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see sort of how it all fits together in the next one. Well, I guess yeah. all, all eyes are on the new mocker rule with the size of the foils. That's an interesting thing that's just come up. So Yeah, yeah. well, Nick can probably give me the history behind how we actually ended up with the Amoka because, um, you know, we went uh, under Mark Turner, we were looking at designing a new fleet and we actually went to all the designers in the world and just said, Give us your ultimate multi-hull or your ultimate mono-hull. Crude racing around the world. And we sat there, we met with all the designers up in Genoa, the different design houses, and we pretty quickly moved away from the multi-hull purely because uh, cost. 
there are about you know anywhere from 12 to 14 million euros to put on the water but also if you flip one you're out it wasn't really the safety thing they're actually safer in many regards to sail around the world because you you know the, the the platforms are a lot more stable and once you flip them upside down that's you know you're actually still quite safe you've still got three options so in many regards the monohulls are um you know potentially much more difficult to sail but um you can always get them back in the race and and then we went down the monohull route and i, I think we ended up at the optimum size being 63 feet mm. and then bossy went back to them and said you know well how about you knock it into 60 foot and see what the weight's like and it got pretty damn close to being in a mocker 60 didn't it bossy yeah basically the, the four of the five designers that we met with had a had a had a range between 60 and 65 feet which literally looked like an eye mocker so yeah. that was at which time well how about we try the combination of the two yeah. and it wasn't that hard to do no. um without compromising too many too many ways uh, without making a ocean race boat fully crewed fragile or making a single hand around the world boat um slow and heavy so and then that led to us uh making the decision to go with uh, verdio to design the boat um we had a fantastic little design team running there and um had a bit of fun doing having some uh, discussions on that (laughs) way may so (laughs) oh yeah um and uh, yeah and the eventual outcome was the boats like um Charlie's boat uh, that had just competed in the race um, and Thomas' boat for that, that yeah, yeah, linked out and uh, um, Charlie Darlene's boat and um, all of, yeah, all of which now <sighs> leading into, well, I guess that that was a bit of a line in the sand um, during the last race and it's kind of reverted back on its head and, because basically the funds weren't there to fund and build uh, a whole fleet of these Super 60s. Um, So the next progression was to welcome my mockers into the race, of which has been done. And we're going to see that uh, unfold in the coming weeks with the Round Europe race. Yeah, we saw um, Boris Herman actually... just about to say, yeah. Yeah, um, yesterday. So yep. we've been working on that one in the background. Obviously, we've got 11th hour there. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a couple of other things we're sort of waiting in the wings. We, we know they're in the pipeline and they'll come through. Um, you know, timing's a bit tight. And, of course, the old COVID thing certainly hasn't made running global sports offence straightforward by any means. Mm-hmm. But, um, but, yeah, so, you know, I think, I think at the moment we're – you know, we're, we're expecting a reasonable fleet of Imokas. Um, you know, we've got a, a, a very strong um, engagement from the from the 65 class. You know, we've got four of them actually racing right now as we speak. They're in Stockholm and seven of them doing the, the, Europe, the Europe race. So I, and I think the challenge with the, you know, sort of the, the whole Imoka world for us is we're trying to merge our world into theirs and find a good balance to put a four-year program together where there's crude racing in the ocean race There'll be crude racing in the sort of in the Europe race that we we're piloting this year, and then you'll have the Route de Rome and the Vendée Globe single-handed sort of classics, and um, it's a nice program and cycle for those boats to be going through. That sort of you know we're trying to take away the the big build-up that we had um, you know for like an ocean race in the past where you train for two years as a massive amount of investment, and then obviously the return comes over a nine-month period of the race and the race is over and then there's just nothing. 
So we're trying to, you know, sort of put in different layers for partners. So maybe, you know, they want to do a global a global event with us. Um, then they might want to do more European-based at a lesser cost and the boats can keep changing hands and just, just make it better, you know, so ecology within the within offshore sailing. So, But it's going to take some time as we merge the cultures. And, um, but, you know, I think everyone is the best intent of the Mokwe class and ourselves is to achieve just that, you know, and try and use the same class of boats as well. Yeah. But they're looking pretty radical at the moment, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Alex's flight from downstairs job he's got together there—that's a beauty. <laughs> Just for the for our for our guests who probably don't know too much about it, can you give us a bit of an idea of what's going to be the difference, if you like, between? I mean, you've, you've, we're using a mocker hull. When you go to an ocean race, obviously it's crewed. There's different elements to the boat, and when you get into a uh, into a mocker race, you're solo. So there's obviously yeah. changes that need to happen. Can you give for, for our listeners? Can you give us a little bit of an idea of that? Well, actually, the key one is the auto helm, and mm-hmm. um, we've actually um, we've actually decided to leave the auto helm in. Yep. Um, which is um, you know, potentially something you'd argue about as to whether that's ethical for crude racing. But when you say crude, you know, we're talking about four, yeah, yeah. four crew in an OBR. So you knock that down to two people on deck at a time. Yep. Um, it's still pretty short-handed racing on a sixty-foot boat. So you know, for the most you're not going to see, you know, when you first think about it, you think, oh, well, they're going to stack heaps of gear and, you know, they're going to put extra pedals and have loads more manpower, but it's actually not, you know. You just mm. – uh, and the boats are brutal, absolutely yeah. brutal to <clears throat> to sail on, <clears throat> especially if you're going to sail. What we saw in the last Fendi Globe was, you know, you had these boats that have this incredible optimal performance, but they weren't able to sail them in that range very much at all. Yeah. You know, most of the time, those boats had the, the foils fucked, you know, sucked in, and um, they they weren't foiling at all. They were in displacement mode to get through a lot of these systems. And what you'll find with the crude racing is that you'll spend more time in in that higher performance bracket. Uh, and when they're in that higher performance bracket, being on board one of those things is it's torture. <laughs> well, we keep flying around all over the place. Yeah, we've so, heard, we've um, heard some stories. So, um, so what you're yeah. saying then is that uh, you know, realistically, the, the difference between the two classes is quite is quite close. Um, yeah, so, it'll be very close. There'll be more. There'll be more uh, food. Um, it's the same <laughs> number of sales. There'll probably be a little bit more aggressive stacking, and there'll be an extra bunk. Yep, perfect. But um, you know, effectively, uh, you know, it, it won't be massively different. I, I think when we first set out, we thought there'd be heaps of difference and <clears throat> cockpit layouts and things like that. Definitely different, you know, especially when we're seeing how aggressively some of their mockers have gone into the covered deck corner and that sort of thing. Um, but it'll look pretty weird, you know. We're used to seeing import races with um, you know ten people on the sixty fives, and <clears throat> all of a sudden there'll be, you know. Uh, five people on board the Amokas, it's, it's going to be pretty odd. You get pretty busy. You're where, doing a dive. Where, where it has it that um, Alex Thompson, Thompson looked at doing the ocean race and the only mods he had to do was have another couple of hooks for some uh, dressing gowns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of closets for slippers. <laughs> yeah, you just go up on deck once a week. Yeah. The um, the Karate import uh the solution for the import race, of course, is our pursuit race idea. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Well, I think I, I think that will, you know, we will be in the import racing. You probably won't see the uh, mockers doing traditional windward lure type racing that we do with the sixty five. So we'll probably do more of a coastal race, you know, something a bit more suited to the to the boats. Mm. It was quite interesting. We routed last Monday globe. We were obviously 
we watched it very, very carefully to see what we could learn from it. And, um, and we routed one of our 65s, um, which we've got pretty good uh, data for it, against the Amokas who actually beat them around the world. Yeah. So it'll be interesting because the 65s will be able to cut the corner. And I think you can, you can push the 65s a lot harder for a lot longer. So, you know, they, um, you know, when it gets well up into the, you know, 35, 40 knots in the Southern Ocean, you'll, you'll still be giving it hell on the 65s and the mockers, you'll be backing off a bit. So mm. um, it'll be interesting to see how they go going around the world. We've it's all just, discussed that. Sport race will be interesting. It will. We've all discussed that. We wondered about that one. The, yeah. the, there is a tough question that has to be asked is with the 65s, is it still considered a one-designed fleet because – you know, the boats have all sort of been under gone, different hands now? Gone, gone their separate ways a bit, yeah. Oh, no, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're, um, they're, they're racing the Ocean Race Europe and one design configuration. Mm. Um, it, it's not, how do you say, it, as strict as... I, I guess the biggest, the biggest change, Mesa, is, um, is that <laughs> the boatyard or the boats haven't just come straight out of a refit and no. knowing that every single boat is there. But going to a traditional one design class, it's exactly the same. Yeah, you must same. turn up with your boat in one design configuration. Uh, hang on, boss. Is, is it a traditional one design class like, say, an Etchell? Or no, an Etchell <laughs> or a J24 or a Far 40. Actually, yeah, you mean, you mean one design doesn't exist. Why are your staunchens 15 mil further outboard? Because oh, yeah. that's where they were put. Yeah, right. <laughs> But it's probably um, given the given that this is certainly not a digger Etchells, but given that they were all manufactured within the same under like the same configuration, is <laughs> not much area for error for uh, movement from that point of view. No, I mean, uh, yeah, at the moment, the my. We've been keeping a pretty close eye on them, and they've got to sign declarations. I was, yeah, was going to say, you know, Coxie's still working very closely with them. Uh, you know, keeping an eye on how they do it. The sails are all still strictly one design, right? So you know, all the gear that's supplied to the boat is still supplied by the same suppliers. So, yeah. so effectively, yes. Um, yeah, right. And um, and they will go through a refit before they race around the world again, and they will be thoroughly inspected, and um, you know all the weights and corrector weights being equaled up. So yeah, when they go around the world, they'll be as one design as they were. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. just interested. Uh, it was it Sal Poland that sort of tried to shorten its bow a little bit? Is that the? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They they tried to make it telescopic on the <laughs> yeah. I, The technique was fantastic. I'd never seen that technique before. <laughs> Normally we go to it with you know tools and stuff. So they just used a ship. Yeah. <laughs> well, and apparently uh, they got the call up to actually push that ship out of the Panama. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it really got out. <laughs> Hey, where were those blokes? Those blokes did a good job moving that other ship. Get there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, love it. Yeah, it's pretty unfortunate. I never quite understood. I remember I, I saw the footage of it and I was like, oh, dear. Um, well, maybe you didn't hear. We actually interviewed the skipper. Um, <laughs> and, um, yeah, like there was many rumours, like did a steering cable blow out? But, uh, no, apparently they just fucked up. Yeah. Oh, it was a sand sheet, mate. <laughs> yeah, sand sheet, what was his name again? What was his name again? Uh, Rick Disney. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the Polish skipper. Oh, the Polish. Oh, what? <laughs> Which your vodka? <laughs> hey, oh, mate, while well, we're, we're laughing, obviously, uh, and 
for the all the actual guys out there. We got to we got to burn you a little bit just to get the laugh. So it's all good. Oh, mate. <laughs> it's all right. Torture away. There's plenty of flammable material over here. So. Yeah. <laughs> With uh, Ocean Race Europe, there. Are, I mean, this is something to get fired up about. There's something coming up to watch. So May 29th, we've got the start of the Ocean Race Europe. So just let people know about that. Yeah, so, um, I mean, obviously with having been forced by COVID to shift the um, the start of the main event a year, there was a bit of a hole opening up. And um, we were we were planning to try and find an interim crude event that we, you know, we would have run in between the main the two main races in the, you know, in the, in the alternate year. And, um, you know, with, with that happening, we realised, well, let's just bring it forward. Let's have a go at it. You know, we're, um, you know, we first set out to try and put the Ocean Race Europe together. It would have appeared to be pretty crazy to be trying to do something like that in a, in a COVID environment. But we felt that, you know, we're, we're, in the, um, we're in the business of running events. So, you know, we've got to try and try and do it as safely as possible. And you know, um, with uh, quite a lot of determination a lot of hard work actually from um, from from our team. We've, we managed to put it off so far, mm. um, and and the, the whole priority of it really is to is to try and you know, sort of focus on running a safe and good yacht race. So you know, there won't be much interaction ashore or what we see the traditional sort of ocean race. Um, but it's it's purely based around getting a good safe yacht race away. Um, when I say safe, you know, not just on the water, but from a COVID standpoint. So we have a lot of protocol in place and testing to keep crews and, and people working around the race safe and uh, and communicate as, as best we can. So, you know, and, and so far it's been um, yeah, pretty damn well subscribed, I think. You know, we've got well, seven of the 65s and we have five uh, five mockers and they're all pretty top teams coming out to come and have a race. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it'll be nice to have a bit of a shakedown and, and get something out there for people to get their teeth into. We're seeing some good racing already. There's a prologue going on right now. Yeah, it's, it's, really good. it's good. And, and to be honest, the timing couldn't be any better. You look at what's happened over the last, uh, you know, few months of sailing and there's been a, I guess you could say a, broader new audience being brought into sailing via the America's Cup and the G- Sail GP and all that yeah. stuff, which is gaining massive tele- tele- television uh, audiences. And yeah. you, now you've got this to step into, um, you know, if it, and, it's, and it's done right, there's going to be a whole new audience and they're going to love it. The big events yeah. are, are taking face. Well, it's not a stadium event, so, no. you know, we're not trying to stick 70,000 people into, you know, round a, round a cricket pitch or something. You know, it's... Um, uh, or a soccer stadium, or I get up in that part of the world. But um, the uh, yeah, so yeah, we can run the event. We can run it safely. Um, well, we think we can. Um, and yeah, it was a pretty big risk for us to take it on. Um, but you know, every every week and day that goes by, you know, we seem to be getting into a stronger and stronger position that's making it happen. So, mm. and so far, we've uh, you know, the boats are just tied up in Stockholm actually um, overnight. Um, so we've got three of the stops of the prologue. You know, that have gone off without a hitch. And um, as long as we can get the fleet out of Stockholm without um, picking up too much COVID um, and down to France safely, uh, you know, hopefully we should have a, we have a great event. Hey, uh, I've got an idea, boys. Mm-hmm. Run a book. Oh. Elapsed time <laughs> between 65 VI Mocha for the whole Europe race. Oh. Everyone... Send us, we'll start up a, a PayPal account. Everyone just sends in two bucks. Um, <laughs> may, you may or may not get your winnings. Yeah, I was just going to say, <laughs> aren't you trying to raise funds at the moment? <laughs> all, all funds go to the go to the. What kid. do you reckon, Maysay? Sounds Elapsed pretty good, time. Mate. 
I, I, I know I'd be putting my money on for the Europe race. Might not be the obvious choice either. Oh, I'm intrigued. <laughs> yeah. I'm intrigued. Yeah, yeah. We'll, well, have to, uh, we'll have to do an ocean, do a Europe race summary. I can, uh, we can do the truth about yachting. At the uh, at the end of the race, and I'll I'll, I'll tell you who I put my money on. Okay, <laughs> oh, no, sixty five will take it. Piece of piss, hundred <laughs> percent. Interesting, but it's going to be tricky going up the med that time of year. Yeah, I was going to say when it's she's <laughs> a bit sticky yeah. in the med. Yeah. yeah, you might yeah. need to be able to flap your super wings to get them going. So, well, yeah. well just quickly let people know the team. So, of course, the race starts in Lorient in France on the 29th May, going to Cascais in Portugal. Yeah. Um, then it'll go. From Cash Case on the fifth of June through to Alicante. Oh, Alicante. Is there a little coastal race in uh, Portugal as well? Yeah, there is. Yep. yep. So um, Palo Mirapuri and the Mirapuri Foundation. So they own one of the sixty-five. Yep. And um, Palo was involved in the last race with turn the tide on plastics. Man, um, man with the best hair in yachting, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. He runs a he runs a pretty slick hair. Good do. Love the yeah. Um, but yeah, so he's um, he's he's actually putting on an event for you know more boats and um, cash guys and our boats will be doing a coastal race there, probably a 50, 60 miler. Yep. Um, there's a bit of prize money on the table as well, which should cover the cover the beer costs. And, um, yeah, and then down to Alicante and um, June 13 and legs, up uh, in Genoa. Into Genoa, <laughs> so Johan Salen obviously influenced that because uh, you know, as we say in Italian, did Genoa. Yeah, did Genoa. <laughs> I was uh, going to say, it mustn't be much money on the table. It's about 80 cents for a beer in Portugal. Yeah, so. it is. <laughs> <laughs> on drinking beer for half a year. So the, yeah. the, in the 65 class, you've got teams from Lithuania, which is Ambassador 2. You've got the Austrian Ocean Race Project, the Mirapuri Foundation from Portugal, the Team Poland, where, who are from Poland, Viva yeah. Mexico from Mexico. Team 6 is Team Childhood, which I guess is a Netherlands team really because yeah. Simeon yeah. and uh, – uh, uh, Johnny uh, Post, uh, Peter John Postma, Johnny Portman is on there. Sorry about that. And then you got the old Axe Nobel, which again Dutch team, but uh, headed up by Nico. So, yeah, a pretty strong lineup. Yeah. Mm. Have fairly... I told you the story about Simeon Team Pump before? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I'll then hold on that. <laughs> if we, we throw the Amoka class out there. You've got the eleventh hour uh, with Charlie and Mark, who's seasoned uh, veterans of the race now. Uh, Bureau of Valley from uh, with Louis Burton. Is that his new boat? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's, yeah, he's the, the Occitan. That was the. Um, that's a pretty radical looking boat. Yeah. Quite interesting that um, that Shirelle, you know, which are pretty. Bit of a powerhouse, and um, and and they're actually going to that design house for their new boat. So I, I'd be very yeah. interested to see how that boat goes. I think it's Absolutely. it's pretty quick. Yeah, yep. yeah, uh, radically different. Yeah, the uh, the Corum boat. Uh, yep, one K. Yep, and then linked out uh, with Thomas, and then the offshore German team Germany. Offshore team Germany, yeah, they're a good bunch of guys as well. With Annie Lash sort of involved there, and a good uh, and a good crew, oh. crew on that. Be interesting because. Uh, yeah, you know, that boat doesn't have um, doesn't have foils, but I think in the Mediterranean that could be to their advantage. I think they'll yep. go just fine. Yep, yep, yep. So it's an, it's going to be fun to watch. Like there's going to be plenty to see, lots to see. Um, and- I see the childhood. The kids on uh, on um, on childhood handed it to Bauer when they went across from Poland to Stockholm. So yeah, um, yeah there'll be a few bruised uh, old boy egos mm. reaching for the reading glasses in Stockholm while the young punks are sort of. Uh, It'll be like Scott Beavis, um, you know, he's, you know, all of us old fellas go to the maxi worlds and we all end up sailing on these J-boats. 
Mm. I remember going down wind one day with Beavis and he looked over there and, you know, you, you looked at the crew list and it was just Rockstar Central, but he he called it a slow-moving retirement village. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon if Will Williams heard that, mate, he'd be, uh, he'd be struggling to uh, make it out of the bar alive, but it made me laugh. That's very funny. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, we, Until I found myself on the same retirement village. So, yeah, that's uh, it. I don't think it's that funny anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, I think uh, the old team childhood we could have a lot of fun with on here. There's plenty of little stories hidden in that boat. I think uh, we may have to be careful. We got joint, we got a spy on the boat though, so we could. Yeah, good, nice. <laughs> All right, um, cool. All right, well, just uh, so. Uh, Ocean race. It's time for everyone to get excited back on that one again. I, yeah. What uh, you, you mentioned, Coxie before. Is there some sort of boatyard going ahead, or? Yeah, yeah. So um, we won't be any boatyard in the ocean in the ocean race uh, Europe. We basically we've we've even restricted the number of shore crew there. So basically, the crews have to work in their own boats. You can you can have your shore manager and and I think two extra people to sort of help work with the boats around. But um, we're trying to, you know, minimise the number of people that we're moving through Europe. So, um, but for the for the main race, um, the intention is that there'll be a, a boatyard there for servicing the um, 65s, similar to what we do before. And it just makes sense, you know. Um, so one way or another, there'll be a boatyard there, and and we'll try and um, the intention is to sort of make those services available for uh, some of the 60s as well. So that you know things like sewing machines and moving you know, dangerous goods around the world and sort of some of the composite work that gets done can be shared. Yeah. But it's in a couple of stopovers. It's going to be quite an operation with the two fleets and that number of boats. You know, we're going to have space issues. Yeah, well, it'd be, um, lucky you don't have boats that are really wide. Based on, yeah, what's a, a mocker with falls out? It's about 14 metres wide. Yeah, 13 metres at, yeah. at the end of the uh, the tip. Yeah, so to speak. So to put it off quickly, we're actually putting them on swing moorings in Alicante. Oh. Yeah, and having a rib to go out to them because uh, – Well, yeah. just in the middle of the uh, basin there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, why not? Yeah, so all the 65s are stern too and the um, 60s we put on the swing. coming in at night time dodging the boats. That'll be fun. Oh, uh, yeah. No, well, that end of the – we're quite lucky in Alicante. There's not much activity down that end of the end of the harbour. Yeah. Mm. Yes, yeah. you get a strong southwesterly, and then there's plenty of activity with waves bouncing over the back of the true breakwater. <laughs> that is true. Um, mate, so we have launched the surf skis. We're, we're getting, uh, yeah, there was ski paddling. Is that where it all started for the sailing world? You reckon all the ski paddling that everyone's doing? That's what it's, you know, in Alicante, <laughs> everyone got into it big time. Well, not based off me and Maso's efforts, I'll yeah. tell you. <laughs> <laughs> No, there's ski paddling. There's a lot of swimming involved. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, uh, one think on uh, for sale. Contact me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, mate, so we're, we're running quick out of time, but there's a couple of questions that I need to ask you. Um, oh, no. No, no, they're good. They're good. Um, they're, you'll enjoy them, actually. Uh, inspiration. Who Like, who's inspired you the most in, in or, you know, some of the people that inspired you the most in your, your career? Oh, geez. I mean, um, uh, I've got two two books that don't get too far. I mean, obviously, Peter Blake had a massive influence on in me as a, as a young fella, uh, reading his books and and um, you know, sort of watching those boats coming in and out of the out of the harbours and, and being fortunate enough to actually be able to get in, get involved in those boats as a young kid. You know, bouncing around on the decks of them. So I, I think that was um, that was a big one. 
And then uh, the other book that doesn't get too far away from me is um, is uh, Charles Upham's biography. And I bet you wouldn't you wouldn't know who he was, but he was uh, he was a Kiwi soldier who got two VCs during the Second World War. Oh, and he's a bloody yeah. good bloke. He just uh, he put everybody before himself. You know, he was uh, two VCs. Jeez, two VCs. Yeah, he's as mad as a cut snake. No, no, he's. Um, He's a great guy, fantastic, and um, uh, there's a biography written about him, and he's probably one of the most. He just he he, he put his uh, put his men before himself the whole time, and um, no, so I, I read that book when I was pretty young, and uh, so those are the probably two of the guiding inspirations in my life. Um, we we're, we're trying to work out how to make Barkerati pay for itself, and one of the ideas we've come up with is um, that we're going to start reading and recording audio books, and then just. We comment on them as we're reading them. Um, so, <laughs> would, uh, would you like to do a guest reading at some point? <laughs> <laughs> I can't read. <laughs> I, hey, uh, mate, hey, neither look, can look we. Who you, look who you're talking to. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no. Um, no, no, I was just thinking, it doesn't sound, I don't want to make any fun on that book, though. Like, it wasn't one of our lists. I think we probably wouldn't do that one. That sounded pretty impressive. I do remember actually reading mate, about him. I, I would read that book if I was you because uh, you'll yeah. be able to comment on that. It'll be jaw dropping. You'll yeah. have plenty of listeners. Pretty awesome. It's a pretty, it's a pretty easy read because it's uh, it's written in a it's written in a great way. You know, it's um, it's uh, uses the language he used, and he was a man you could trust because he swore like a swore like a badger. That's so, it. Uh, That's it. Uh, <laughs> so he'll fit right in. So, yeah. so I've got one question. Okay. Nick, can I move to the next question, Chief George? <laughs> um, <laughs> best boat. You've sailed plenty. Oh. Between multis to bloody MRXs up to J boats. Yeah. Best boat ever. Um, oh. Which you just blew your mind in one form or another. I think in terms of where it fitted in in the day, we had that uh, year of it, the old Maxi, uh, the Z86 morning glory oh, that we built. Yep. Um, <laughs> back in 2003, you know, when that boat first came out, um, it was well ahead of its time. Jeez. Yeah, That's and, another uh, episode, man. Me and Mace, yeah. lived with each other in Caribbean island of St. Martin for three well, months. There's, there's, <laughs> there's some stories. That'll, that'll be a, that'll, that's, that's a book. That's the, that, that'll be on our Patreon site, that one. <laughs> well, we used to have a swingers party. Remember the swingers party? We saw the dock. Yeah. Oh, we yeah. We counted the two boats because Roy Disney had one and we had the other one. And, uh, and we used to camp them in the opposite direction, put a barbecue down on the pier, and then just invite everyone down for sausages and beer. And we had a swingers party because our kettles were swinging. So, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, we were on the Dutch side, by the way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were the other, the other end of the lagoon. No, no, but, uh, that, I think that boat was pretty, uh, pretty influential of its time because mm, it, good. It, it, it laid down. Um, sort of a, a lot of what we ended up doing with uh, the Volvo seventies. So it was yep. pretty. Um, it was pretty pretty cool boat. I mean, it's still around today. Yeah, I'll concur. We, actually, I mean, we we took that thing around the world and we we just won everything and uh, that we we got into. It's a pretty neat boat. Rifle Pew designed that one. Yeah, mm-hmm. very cool. Yeah. Built by McMackis. Uh. It was built up McConaughey's. Yeah, right? Rifle Pew McConaughey built boats. They never go well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, seriously, that was good fun. That was um, that was a pretty uh, it was pretty pretty nicely balanced boat. And then um, then I think those Juan K boats, you know, the 
E3 and 4 there. E3 was just an absolute joy to sail. I've never sailed such a balanced boat. You know, the faster mm. it went, you could you could drive that thing with one hand at 35, 35 knots in Southern Ocean, no problem. It, you know, when it decided it was going to slow down, it's a different story, but um, they just get in the groove, and the faster they went, the easier they were to handle. They're just a beautiful piece of yacht design. Wow. All right, I've got one more. One more, <laughs> which is kind of related to inspiration and uh, despite present company, uh, best you've sailed with? <laughs> oh, best I've sailed with Neil McDonald. Yeah, oh, yeah, good yeah, answer. Yeah, yeah. Good answer. Hands yeah. down. Um, I've, I've, I've sailed with them all, but uh, in terms of a man, if he phoned me up tomorrow and said, Mace, we're going to go for a lap around the planet, yeah, and I'd just pack my bags and go. Uh, Neil Mack would be a cracker to get on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right yeah. As well, actually. great guy. <laughs> Great he, is, uh, he is, you know, he's, uh, how do you say, he's, you know, he's never let his ego get in the way and I've never seen a man sail a boat so well in the Southern Ocean. He's just, just totally relaxed, you know. He's got some great stories, um, especially the silk cut ones, you know, back in the days when the, the boys were, were smoking, you know, he'd tell you, some, yeah. tell you some good stories. But, I mean, he's a nuclear submarine designer. He's got the brain the size of a planet. They would never tell you about it. He's incredibly humble, and um, yes. he's he's uh, you know he's uh, the the the, uh, the epiphany of Neil is he'll never ask you to do anything he wouldn't do himself. And I remember on those you know those Volvo sixties, we used to have some heinous sail changes with because uh, all the sails went up you know up a tough luff, and um, we had about fifteen different reaching sails, and you'd just be power reaching and not giving it an inch, and you'd be up there trying to. Do an outside change from a J two to a so or an R two to an R three or something like that, and you'd just be, you know. And Neil would actually hand off the wheel to someone else and come up and get right behind you. You'd be sitting right behind you, you know, up on the bow, ripping it down. And um, no, he's a great guy. I'd, I'd follow him into the into the fire any day of the week. Yeah, yep. great answer. answer. There you go. Right. That's that's pushed the stocks up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If his stocks weren't already that high. No. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I know. Globally, I think everyone's of the same opinion, so that's that's the truth. So, uh, uh, Mesa, we run – I write a, a run sheet of ideas of questions and stuff beforehand, and that's why Bicey keeps talking over me, stopping me question, because he's seen the last question I've got written there. So, <laughs> so I've got one more. <laughs> Worst thing you've seen Bicey uh, – Bicey do. <laughs> yeah, I've got a run sheet. <laughs> That's okay, another so, book. <laughs> can you just play the funky fat bass? We're going into part two. All right. Um, I think we're going to have to call it quits there, boys. We've sort of run out of time. Um, I won't ask that last question. Oh, go um, on. Come but, on. Uh, yeah. It's Bicey been, asked it. Go on. Well, my, my uh, I, I'll tell you the honest uh, truth. My bloody headphones have just failed on me, so I can't hear a word you guys are saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. So, Bicey or, or BP, you take us out. Oh, my God. Never had to do this before. Well, okay, we're going out. Thank you. <laughs> no, nah, so awesome to have you on, mate. Um, uh, pleasure, guys. Plenty of stories left in the bank there, mm, um, and that's probably for our X-rated uh, version of uh, Bar Karate. You go for the bullshit <laughs> cup. We'll see who gets that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> uh, shoot up. I, right, uh, I, I, so. I think from all of us, uh, m- a huge amount of luck for the coming events and obviously the ocean race, and we'll be following it very closely and hopefully we'll get you back on really soon to give us an over- uh, overview of it. Yeah, a little, um, little update throughout yeah. the event. Be bloody absolutely. good. Yeah, 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 no, give us a, give us a yo. Got my number. 
Yeah. 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 Good on you, mate. Good to see you. Nice, boys. Thank you, boys. See you. Cheers. Bye. Old may say he's uh, he's quite the icon in the world of sailing, and uh, it's really good of him to give some time. But uh, I think uh, we were very gentle on some of the um, the stories that were told. Um, we well, we'd, given I'm probably part of some of those stories, yeah. um, I think you're pretty gentle on me, to tell you the honest <laughs> truth. But one thing you weren't gentle on Jordan was your headphones. <laughs> Again, you've blown up another pair, and I have a theory. Yep. Basically, because you've got the over-the-top, the nice bosies, yep. and I think this is three or four pairs you've blown now. <laughs> hey, you've got to stop stretching them out. <laughs> Do you get a custom pair like your yeah. custom ski helmet? <laughs> a big, Maybe you're going to have to. Too big a helm, too big a head, that's it. That's it. <laughs> I don't know what to do. Uh, anyway, oh, the little wise head. No, don't. No go. more. No yeah, more. No more. It's like Pavarotti's toilet. Get out. Get out. Don't, uh, and for those little, saying, strain protectors on. For those just saying, just get a couple of earbuds with the wide earbuds. Um, we can't spread them wide enough around to fit around them over. So anyway, uh, all right, let's move on. Um, uh, a little bit going on this week. Uh, we'll just speed through it. I don't think we want to get too much into stuff, but any secret pro stuff we can reveal? No, nothing, but I think we're going to see a bit just popping up. Uh, given things are really starting to move now, we're coming into the summer months in, um, well, the sailing season in Europe. Um, so we're going to see a whole lot more on the water. But oh, I tell you, and I hate to say it, but in the background, this whole actual thing, it's building. It's uh, We can't talk too much about it. Um, and it all will be revealed at some point in time, but yeah, oh, it's sick, sickening to the stomach. It is. It is. I must admit, when when it, we first heard this, we said that nothing good's going to come of this. Like uh, it's going to be a bit of a class war. It could it could be the death of the class. Um, what we can talk about, though, um, we, and we're for the, all the actual listeners out there, we're not trying to talk down your class at all. We, uh, we, the exact opposite is what we want. We want it to all go back to nice and happy, however we get there. Um, but what I can talk about, I was flipping through the actual class website and they've got, um, they've got what they – your ruling and interpretations. They've got a list there where they ask for rulings and interpretations of the One Design Committee and looking through that list that's on their website now um, – Gee, there's some uh, there's some people who are actually really screwing down onto some details uh, about yeah. the class. So, you know, we said. Yeah, I remember that, when this went on in the far forty class, like yeah. early two thousands, yeah. like just like you say, screwing down on, you know, should it be a Phillips head or a flat head screw or a circle pan head, like just getting into the nitty gritty. But I must say, yeah. Jordan, yeah. I should probably do a bit more research yeah. instead of being on Facebook talking about rainbows. <laughs> well, you see that bloody yeah, trail well, that mate, escalated. You you got a got bit on. You've got a bit on. Don't worry about the boat yard and don't worry about these uh, Globe and Golden Globe races or anything like that anymore. You're going to become the world rainbow director. Oh, mate. Well, we've picked up a couple of new listeners this week. Put it that way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> rainbow listeners. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, so just uh, I'll just finish off on that actual point. Um, and what Bicey raised is that they're just um, because. It's come up as a discussion point now. Everything is going to come up as a discussion point. So, and that's basically what's happening. And 
It's going to be pretty tense times, I think. So let's just hope that tense, tense times is an understatement. But yeah, I can I can say just before you finish, sorry, Jordan. Mm. I can say that uh, you know the, the status at the moment is trying to uh, get these measurements, and once that's done, then that's when it starts really. Mm. So mm. let's just let sane heads rule. We'll see. But I think everyone's going to be forming up in their camps, and that leads to war. So. Um, yeah, but hopefully not. Hopefully not. Let's uh, let's go sailing. Um, I do want to say, is there a listener of the week this week? Yes, we do have a listener of the week. Um, listener of the fortnight. Listener of the fortnight. It's because he wasn't on last week. Oh yeah, no, no, <laughs> not we, bad. We and I think this, last this guy deserves this. Uh, we've mentioned him on the show before, um, and he's always willing to put in his few bobs worth here and there. Keep an eye out on a bit of secret pro. And keep us updated in his local, what he's up to and his local, and that goes to Brett Shivers this week. Yeah. Um, yeah. There may or may not be a merchandise pack on its way. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's hard, um, to, hard no, to track down, though. That's the problem with him. He's keep the like... comments coming in um, and ke- just, you know, keep us updated on all sorts of things, not just Brett, but uh, everyone for that matter. Well, what and did he win uh, for? you may achieve Listener of the Week. What did he win for? Huh? What what did he do that was made him stand out? I, I think since our inception, mm. he has been one of our constants um, who's listened to the show, who also shares a lot of our um, our content. Yeah, so yeah. as a as a just an overview. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, and we are definitely going to uh, hook up with Brett one day because he's got to, he's got a great job that we could have a lot of fun mucking around with. So. Absolutely. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna uh, we're gonna bump into Brett one day and uh, and we'll tell you about. It. I'm not sure if we're allowed to say what he does. I think it's kind of secret. So um, anyway, so moving on. Um, any news on Olympic classes? Right. Have we that uh, that votes? What's that tomorrow? Isn't it? Fifteenth or sixteenth? Yeah, yeah. We'll wait and see on that one. Mm, Okay, Uh, we'll break that one open. Uh, We'll get an inside goss on that. There's, there is uh, still a lot moving towards, uh, or you know, pushing to keep it in. But there's obviously a lot pushing towards keep getting it out. So in turn, we're talking doubles offshore. Jeez, what are you talking? (laughs) Doubles offshores, of course. Oh yeah, of course. Well, it is doubles. Oh, offshore. offshore. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know if you boys Pardon the puns, pardon the puns. The front page Um, on Sailing Anarchy about all this, and I was reading their front page and I've just gone, oh, they're listening to (laughs) Barkerati. All that information came from Barkerati. So, you know, there's uh, there's, uh, a lot to see pan out and see what happens over the coming days, for sure. Well, let's talk something really cool that's just Mm. finished, Uh, the um, fin. The Finn yeah. Gold Cup, yeah. which is one of the prestige sailing events of the world. And and can I add something here? Yeah. We know that the Finns are out of the Olympics, but I think the Finn Gold Cup and the Finn class will go from strength to strength, and I think that it will mm. stay the level that it is. Mm. Um, I thought about it this morning and I looked at the calibre of people sailing those yeah. boats, and it's kind of like, you know, like the uh, stars and those sort of boats. I think that it's just going to have – it's going to get – Stay strong. There's no question. Mm. Looking at the people sailing these boats, yeah, well, they're, they're, everyone that sails them loves them. So, um, and you know, if it wasn't, I suspect if it wasn't for the parity rule, um, the the fin class would still be in the Olympics. I don't think anyone wants to see them go, uh, particularly because there's no real class for uh, normal sized people left in the Olympics. <laughs> um, but massive congratulations to Andy Maloney from New Zealand. Mm. Unbelievable just, story. Well, the Kiwis in general. Absolutely. Yeah. Talk it up. 
And an amazing story has come out of that. Uh, obviously, uh, Josh Jr. is the, uh, the, the other Kiwi there and um, both are fighting for Olympic uh, selection. Mm-hmm. I believe Josh was uh, heading the ranks at one stage. But one of the things that's come out of that is that uh, it's stated that whoever gets in, the other is going to coach. <laughs> so oh, yeah. it's quite an in- interesting camaraderie uh, yeah. on, on yeah. and off the water. Training partner. Yeah, sharing sure. everything, yeah, yeah no. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, not every <laughs> sharing, sharing sailing information and, and all that. <laughs> well, you're talking first and third in the Gold Cup. Now, if yeah. that's not a domination. Yeah, it's in, fantastic. In fin, fin Gold Cup. Now, fin, we know the level of sailing that's in the fins and uh, yeah. first and third, that's uh, pretty pretty amazing, obviously. Yeah, and it's, I mean, they hadn't, I don't think the Kiwis had won the Worlds before Josh um, at all, or at least, I mean, what's a Gold Cup? It's 60 years, so I don't think the Kiwis won it. Uh, up until Josh did, and then second year, uh, Andy. So uh, mm. big congratulations to them. Well, we do have to mention Juan Cardona from Espanol for, into the silver position. So congratulations. Pretty big waves. Did you guys see the photos coming from? Amazing. Amazing, yeah. 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 So um, so that that win by Juan Cardona actually gave him the uh, European continental qualifier, which I don't exactly know what that means, but uh, gets him in for Spain, actually. So uh, that's a, a great result for him. Yeah. Um, because he was fighting that out with uh, Nenan Bergerin from Croatia. Um, so pretty, pretty cool. When are the Olympics? In bloody like a month's time? Six weeks? Eight yeah, weeks? Something yeah, like that. that. Yeah, so there's, you know, there's a lot would, of... Yeah, just take it down to the wire, I guess. Yeah, and a lot of it's, it's still not confirmed it's going ahead, just so you know. No, exactly. That was the next yeah. question. Yeah. So, um, talking the the like the, the practice rates and lead-up events, they've all been stopped. Okay, so right. um, and the dates that they can get into the village has been delayed and delayed. Um, so, um, not actually sure. Even the Australian, uh, just talking to some of the guys from the Australian team, they they don't actually know when they can go in and when they can get boats and and how it's all going to work yeah, yet. Wow. But but they're only like they'll be hanging out with themselves and their coach. That's the their bubble. Crazy. Yep. Pretty amazing, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, yes, just back on the fins, big seas, you're right. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to go into that because yeah, there's on. some cracking photos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolute cracking photos. And, uh, and again, it shows the uh, the level of sailing. Uh, just, I guess we could just have a quick, quick chat about it. Jean Bourg from Hungary in fourth, uh, Nanand in sixth, Luke Miller sixth, and then our Jake Lilly in seventh. Absolutely. So, had a chat to him yesterday. Yep. For you. For you guys, uh, part to pass on my congratulations. He uh, was confident and happy with his uh, with moving forward, as I said. But uh, he had a few tough starts. Was a winner of one of the races, so that was a good thing for him. But um, mm-hmm. needed to work on his starts, he said. But uh, other than that, his boat speed's good and he's confident moving forward. But look at that fleet in front of him, far out, eh? Fantastic. It's pretty tight, isn't it? It, it is fantastic. Um, absolutely. Scott, Scott back in ninth. Not that back in ninth's a bad thing. I'd love to come yeah. ninth. <laughs> <laughs> hey? uh, uh, but everyone's uh, gearing up for the Olympics, obviously, and uh, there's going to be a big, big, uh, a big gunfight, I guess, um, as it gets closer. So, looking forward to the Finn event, to be honest. Yep. Yeah. Hey, um, it's uh, it is a good one. I can't wait to see that. We'll be uh, we'll be living for that one. But also, other good news, gentlemen. And mm. this is probably the last point. We sort of alleged it at this when we were talking to Meso. A um, couple of new uh, boats. So Boris Herman, who was uh, on the show, 
the team Melitza Salo for the Vonday has yep. announced that uh, they're getting a new boat. Yes. Awesome. Did you guys see that? Did. Did do out of the uh, VPLP stable. Yep. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what progressions or what mm. ideas Boris has out of um, the Vonday he's just done and seeing what the latest VPLPs are and see what he rolls with. And I'm guessing one will be with a pretty good um, anti-collision device. On board. <laughs> <laughs> but he's also going to do the uh, uh, the ocean race, I believe. Yeah, yeah. One of the one of the few, or one of the ones that yep. are. It's a good thing. Yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah. So we're excited. And of course, Boris came on the show and uh, new new money, new boat, uh, moving moving forward. So you know, uh, another show, great number, show number one. Show number one. Show number one. Yeah, we'll get him back on. We're, we're we like Boris a lot. Um, and then uh, who else came on the show from the Vonda? Oh, I'll talk about good things coming out of Bar Karate. Yeah, go on. Well, young Pip. What? What our, our Pip hair. What she happened? yesterday signed with Medalia again. So and? Uh, and getting a new boat. Yep. So I think so. Um, oh, she's, she's actually buying. Um, Was it announced she's getting a new boat or she no, just no. wrote – no, 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 no. She's Stay buying, tuned. No, Stay she's tuned. buying Louis Burton's boat. Second, she's, no, Medalia have signed on, and she's uh, she's all ready to go, and she's oh, uh, it's all happening. Yeah. So they bought uh, Bureau Valley too, the 2016 yeah. generation boat, which Louis Burton sailed to third place in this race. That's on the Facebook page. So I'm not very clever in finding that one. But, but, but again, look, it's uh, that is a, that is. No <laughs> That is a story of guts and determination and one we followed from very early on in the piece, obviously. Of well, what's the common link, PP? Oh, you? <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, they, they sail on mockers and they want to do the Vonday Globe. Yeah. And they've come on the show. They're, if you yeah, look at all weird. the people getting new boats, uh, yeah. the 11th Hour guys, um, Boris and, and um, Pip, you know, it's all it's due to coming on the show. Yeah, you know, much. you know it's about Barkarati. Look at last week, Nina Curtis, Sail GP. Oh. You, know, you know what it's about. It's the Barkarati. It's not the curse. What's the opposite of a curse? Um, uh, that thing kissed on the dick by a Chinaman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the blessing. Scrub that one. <laughs> it's the blessing. <laughs> Whoops. It's the Barkarati. It's the Barkarati lottery win. I don't know. Yeah. It's the blessing. Bar karate lottery? No, not lottery because that's, that's, that's a chance. Because it's a certain Anyway, basically, right. if you come on the show, good things happen. That's, that's yep. the truth of it. Bar Just karate. leave it like that. Mm. If you come on the show, good things happen. Yeah, that's, go. That could be our motto. <laughs> Hasn't <laughs> happened to me yet. I've had to put up with you two for years. <laughs> oh, well, could be worse. Oh, dear. Well, I think all um, right. in all honesty, boys, I reckon that might be it. Um, yep. Uh, Nice work. Big, big news to come. Big couple of weeks uh, coming up, obviously, with what we just said. So, um, yeah, look for all those interested. I'd say tune in and tell your friends because Akaradi yeah, uh, are going to bring it first. Here, here. Um, there could be a bit of big news on the horizon, gents. Well, I've Stand heard by. that as well, yeah. Actual pro- positive sailing news. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, I think. And, again, another place associated with Bakarati. Yeah, here. Yeah. Get it on. Righto, boys. Gentlemen. Kicker in the guts, BP. Oh, yes. Break out the old slide guitar. I'll get it out. I'll just get, I'll just get it all up and hang on again. <laughs> Let me tune up. <laughs> I love how you just start in the middle of the song. <laughs> <laughs> Not bad, am I? <laughs>
Hang on. I love how I, love how I get my band going as well. Yeah. Every week the band sits in back behind me waiting to play. Yeah. Oh. More cowbell. <laughs>